You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Brittany Grover. And I'm Jan Westmark, and you are listening to the special monthly Sidelines Magazine episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for November 3rd, episode 3052. Sidelines is the magazine for horse people, about horse people. Good morning, horse world. Thank you for tuning in this morning. The Sidelines Magazine episode comes to you the first Thursday of every month. This month's episode is brought to you by the recently released book, Big, Bold, and Brave by Deanna Hamill. Our first guest today is Emily Hamill, and she's an eventer. Um, She's had some amazing eventing experiences. But Brittany, first, I want to know, have you ever evented? Okay, this is actually a pretty funny story. So (laughs) I grew up loving horses. Uh-huh. Uh, but not having anything to do with them. My favorite movie ever was The Man from Snowy River. Ah, uh, yes. And there is this the scene where he chases the Brumbies down that huge, hill. huge hill, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And every time we went on a road trip, I would listen to the soundtrack, the amazing soundtrack to Man from Snowy River and look out over the hills and imagine myself, you know, riding the horse. And And finally, my parents gifted me with lessons when I was in the fifth grade. And I got to go train at an eventing barn. Ah. And uh, yeah, it didn't uh, start out so great. The first one of the first days was really muddy in the field. And she failed to tell me that the fence was electric. So when, of course, when I got my boot stuck in the mud, I reached out to grab the fence. And, <gasps> no. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, never forget that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we, I had this horse uh, named Sweetie and she was, she was amazing and we would do our, uh, you know, dressage work or our, our flat work in the arena. And then my trainer would lead me out to their cross-country course. And I realized very quickly that the man from Snowy River scene was not in my future. <laughs> because we would, she was literally just walking me down these tiny little hills and I thought I was going to fall off like she was like just lean back and I was like leaning back as far as I could and I could have sworn that that horse was already doing that man from snow and river scene <laughs> and that I was going to go over the front and it was it was probably really really pathetic because I'm sure that those hills were so so shallow like just just tiny little descents you know but uh yeah, so that was my extremely short-lived <laughs> eventing career. <laughs> I actually had to stop taking lessons because my trainer um, got a really great working student opportunity back east. So she uh, moved away, and I I didn't get back into horses again until until my late twenties. And by then, I knew that uh, uh, it was not going to be eventing. But I knew that you actually did event and got further than I did. So tell me about that. Well, I might have evented, but I was a really bad eventer. Well, let's put it, <laughs> way. 
I was fine at eventing at the show. I mean, at the cross country and I was fine at the, um, show jumping. I loved both of those. I had a great horse, but dressage, uh, uh, I was horrible at dressage. Um, like I didn't even know enough at the time. This is when I was in college. I went to university of Florida and in Gainesville, there was a right above it. Ah, there was a town called Micanopy, I think. And we had a, um, the, I think the Canadian, eventing team used to practice there. So we would have shows there. There'd be events there and I would go to them. And all I would do was try to get through the dressage phase just so I could go out on the cross country course and just so I could do the stadium jumping. Oh so I was goodness. just horrible. I didn't know a thing. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to the dressage. I just, I mean, I memorized the class, you know, or memorized the test, but yeah, that was, I didn't do eventing. Well, I did it for a few years, but never did very well because of my dressage score. Yeah. Well, I know people from, who event have to be so brave and people who event are the ones who really love the cross country. I think, you know, yeah. normally it's people do the dressage and the show jumping just so that they can go can do, yes. on a cross and, country course. Yeah. I think that's kind of a theme in all of our um, stories on, we do on an eventer every month. They almost always say they got into it because of cross country. Um, and then they had to learn the dressage uh, in order to, you know, to become successful in their careers. So, yeah, I think that's a common theme. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, to, to be an eventer, you certainly have to be big, bold, and brave, which is the title of the book, which is sponsoring this episode. Looking for an inspiring gift for the horse person in your life? Look no further. Big, Bold, and Brave is the perfect present for people of all ages. This 64-page, fully illustrated book is based on the journey of international five-star eventing pair Emily Hamill and Corvette, affectionately known to their enthusiastic fans as Team Barry. Theirs is a special story of how the right partnership brings out greatness in everyone and helps dreams come true. For coloring book fans, there's a beautiful one of those available too. A holiday special, order a book and coloring book, and get a Team Barry sticker, colored pencils, a personalized note from Emily, plus free shipping. It really is the perfect gift. Orders can be placed on Emily's website, emilyhamileventing.com slash book, or ask at your local tax store. If you would like to carry Big, Bold, and Brave in your tax shop, Emily would love to partner with you, so contact her today. Emily will be here with us soon, but first, we've got Julie Boylson here to give us an inside look at next year's Omaha World Cup. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to learn about the World Cup. Can you tell us just briefly, what is the FEI World Cup and why is it so exciting to have in Omaha? Of course, thank you for having me. The FEI World Cup is the culmination of the Indoor League Series for jumping, dressage, vaulting, and driving. Um, it started out with jumping and has been in existence for 27 years, I think. Wow, that's amazing. And I understand that you're hosting jumping, dressage, and vaulting this year. Is that correct? Or next year, next spring? Yeah, we are. We were very excited to add vaulting. We took a look at the schedule and what the requirements were for vaulting, and it was it was just a no-brainer to add it. It's such an exciting young sport. We think it's a great way to bring local fans, especially, into equestrian sport because it's so visual, exciting, and easy to understand. I love that. That is so exciting. Tell us about the dates of the competition. This year, we will be um, hosting April 4th through the 8th, and that is Easter weekend. So we're actually going to end the competition uh, on 
Saturday night, which is not really traditional, but that allows us to not have people uh, at a competition on Easter Sunday. And it means that we can have a dressage finals on a Friday night. Mm, that's fantastic. And I understand that the dressage fans are kind of one-upping the jumping fans at the moment. Is that right? Oh, they're crushing them. Two to one. We're selling twice as many dressage tickets. I don't know where these jumping fans are. They need to get with the program. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. That's fantastic. So it sounds like uh, tickets are available on Ticketmaster. And tell us about the local theme that's going on next year. Sure. And I want to say tickets, tables, and VIP are all on Ticketmaster. So they don't have to go somewhere else to buy the tables and VIP. Everything's on Ticketmaster. Um, but we did do a, we're very excited about our local theme, kind of as we looked at, you know, hosting in Omaha and what we could share with somebody about our city, we really settled on a theme of 1723. We're focusing on what was happening on this land 300 years ago, and that would have really been about 40 years after horses really made their way up the plains um, and the local native tribes were really engaging um, with horses and, and the love of the horses. The Lakota have no wor- had no word for horses, so they're called sacred dogs. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the fact that, you know, sacred tells you what their relationship is with these animals. So we're really creating a kind of a platform for a lot of our tro- local tribes to share their customs, their music, and their stories, which very much revolve around horses. So we're, we're really excited to share that part of our regional history. That is so exciting. What, as a spectator, can someone expect as far as that theme and how it's incorporated into the events there? Sure. You're going to see the um, pre-show. You'll see hoop dancers. You'll hear a drum circle. Uh, There's a special horse song being composed for the drum circle right now that'll become part of our uh, event throughout. You will have native storytellers that are... uh, tribal elders that are really talking about their relationship with horses and musicians and all kinds of dancers. And you'll see Lakota painted horses. The Lakota um, have a very distinct uh, symbology around their horses. And as part of, we do a a big education program with uh, over 4,500 local school children. And we're, we're kind of teaching it as, you know, these are horse emojis. This tells you all, these symbols tell you all about this horse and they're, they, you know, they're no different than the emojis that you use today in a text. Wow. I love that. That sounds so exciting. Well, it sounds like it's not too early at all to get your tickets and your hotel rooms, right? Sounds like things are already selling out quick over there. The closest hotels are already sold out, but there's plenty, plenty of hotel rooms within two to three blocks of walking distance. Awesome. So you said it's, April 4th through 8th, 2023. April 4th through 8th, 2023. Come to Omaha. Awesome. Thank you so much, Julie. Emily Hamill has been hooked on eventing since her 4-H group took a field trip to the Kentucky three-day event when she was 11 years old. In 2021, she competed there on her horse Corvette, known as Barry, and then followed it up with badminton and burley this year. She's on the cover of the November issue of Sidelines Magazine. Make sure to check out her story at sidelinesmagazine.com. And now Emily is here to talk to us about Barry and her eventing career. Emily, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to talk to you. We absolutely love your special relationship with Barry, and especially that you realize what a great partnership you had with him while you were actually getting him ready 
for somebody else to sell him. I'm so curious. What are some of his quirks that made it so hard uh, to sell, but that made him the perfect match for you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys. Um, and then as far as Barry goes, he he's just kind of a quirky guy. Um, he doesn't really trust new people very much. He always kind of liked me around the barn. So, you know, I felt I felt pretty proud of that from the get-go. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, it takes a little bit to gain his trust. Um, and then, you know, some of his other things, he's hard to catch in the field. Um, again, he was always pretty good for me to catch, but other people, it was hard. Um, and also once I finally bought him, you know, it kind of kept going. Anytime I had a new working student, he would always like put him through the ringer a little bit. (laughs) Oh my goodness. you know, not want to be caught and then I'd have to come out. But now we've figured out if you bring him a carrot, like doesn't matter who it is, like he will come to the gate. But yeah, so that is one of his funny things. Um, Also, as far as riding goes, which is probably why it was hard to sell him. He's just, um, he's a bit fussy in the bridle, like when you're jumping him. So anyone that's watched me jump him around, you know, cross country show jumping, he kind of sometimes like throws his head up and just like, I don't know if he's excited and he just wants to be let at it. But if, if you try to put him together, he just gets more upset. So I've learned to just sit quiet and kind of ignore it because it works for him. Like he's got his own style. Um, but I think some people tried to change it, you know, and right. you know, they yeah. sit on and try to like muscle him around and he was not a fan of that. Um, so that, uh, <laughs> that was just a tricky point. And then also he's got such a huge jump and it's hard for people to stay with that sometimes. Mm. Um, I, I personally like it, but, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a different feel, and I think you know it might just I don't know if scares the right word, but kind of um, intimidate some people. And then also, you know, as he was getting sold, some of the trainers thought that because he jumps so big, he might end up scaring himself. You know, like jumping big into a combination. But touch wood, that has yet to happen. So. <laughs> He's pretty big, bold, and brave, as we'll talk about later. (laughs) Wow. I love that. So do you have any idea why he just liked you or he just picked you? Yeah, I I don't know. I've always liked quirky horses, too. So maybe that has something to do with it. Like, I um, just enjoy being able to get through to a horse that other people haven't. So I think knowing coming in that he was a little quirky I just like approached him a bit differently from the get-go and we apparently clicked so wow I love that well he is obviously such a character that he was perfect fit for a book which you had mentioned so tell us about how that came about so it happened um early in the spring of 2022, probably like March-ish. But anyways, my mom was in town and we were just talking about Barry, you know, as we do. And uh, I said something about 
something funny he had done in the barn that day. And I was like, he's such a character. He should have his own book. And my mom, like without missing a beat, was just like, I've always wanted to write a children's book. And then within a week or two, she had this rough draft um, written up and uh, sent it to me. You know, the rough draft was quite good, but we put a lot of work into it together to kind of make it into what it is today. Um, And then we have a family friend um, that is um, a graphic designer and I actually taught his kids, well, his daughter and his wife um, when I lived in Lexington. So, yeah, we reached out to him and he was happy to do the illustrations, which I think really makes a book. And the whole the whole reason behind the book was to have another kind of fundraising effort to help pay for my trip to England this year. So. Mm-hmm. And it was a fun project too. We had a great time making it. So, yeah, with a fantastic message too, you know, just that uh, being able to bring out the potential in each other, right? Not just, right. you know, you brought his potential out, but, but both of you working together as a team. Yeah, just finding the right partnership and how that can bring out the best in everyone. So, I love that. Well, you also have a very special group supporting you. You kind of talked about that. Tell us about Team Barry. Yes. So I have um, various people involved. My parents, Dina Hamill and Paul Sprague, are the biggest Team Barry supporters. Uh, They have been backing us since the beginning. You know, it's kind of funny because. I originally convinced them to buy Barry as a resale project Mm -hmm. uh, and then quickly realized he was pretty special. So luckily they were team Barry from the beginning and uh, let me keep him. And then, you know, I've had other friends and family get involved and I have I kind of ran a campaign about being part of Team Barry and just offered people monthly or yearly or one-time donations, I guess. I I don't know that I like using that word, but, you know, gifts um, to support our efforts and our goals and, you know, to make everything possible. And with that, if you are part of Team Barry, you get some cool behind the scenes things, you know, different newsletters, updates, um, Team Barry swag, that sort of thing. And I also do have Team Barry swag just available to anyone who uh, <laughs> wants to be part of the team, no other commitment necessary. Um, yeah, so it's just been really fun to see how much people love Barry because I've always loved him. And, you know, it's just cool that other people can appreciate him as much as I do. And he for sure has a bigger fan base than me. But, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Team Barry is great, and thanks to everyone who's been part of it. Oh, that's so cool. So I know that um, because of the support from Team Barry, you were able to head over to England this year, and you competed mm-hmm. in both badminton and burley, which are two of the top events. And tell us about each of those and which one you liked better. Oh, And man, how you did. Me. 
Yeah, and how you did. Yes. Uh, Well, badminton was the first one, and I went over, you know, maybe a week before the competition. And when I got there, it was unreal. You know, you're in this amazing, beautiful English countryside, and then the badminton house is spectacular. Like, they call it a house, but to me, it looks like a castle. Right. And yeah. Um, yeah, we got to stay in the permanent stabling, which is for the um, Duchess's horses. And so the Americans all got to stay directly across from the house. Oh, and wow. it's just the, the stabling is really cool. You know, it's just old and has a lot of character and really well taken care of. And there's all these big stone arches that you walk through you know, when you're riding up to the arena and stuff. And to me, riding through those arches and then like looking at the house and it was just, it was one of those moments where I was like, wow, I have arrived, you know? <laughs> um, and it just, I actually didn't know that I would ever ride at either of those. You know, like I am a small town girl from Wisconsin and I always had had dreams of going to Kentucky, but you know, that to me seemed like a huge goal in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so that I, you know, that was kind of my goal. And then once I had Barry, I was like, well, maybe I could do more. And thanks to his talent and support from everybody, we were able to go, um, to do even bigger and I don't want to say better, but just different things, you know, overseas. And, yeah, so badminton, since that was my first event um, in England, was just out of this world. And I was most shocked by how many spectators there were there. I think wow. on Cross Country Day, they sold out and it was some crazy number, like 180,000 people. And it was just like packed. And um, so that was a different feeling. Um having that many spectators and the vendor village is ginormous. You know, it's just, it's a totally different scale. Um, But yeah, overall, as far as that competition went, it was, I was really pleased with how he handled it. It was a completely different atmosphere than he'd ever been in. And uh, you know, it's a tough, tough course. Our dressage was, pretty good uh that's always <laughs> been our weakest phase I, but I was really happy with how he handled everything uh we just had some moments in our flying changes and our canter work that kind of kept us from getting a better score but um cross country he was a machine he was so good we unfortunately had a little problem at the Mars Sustainability Bay, which is a water um, obstacle, like at the back side of the course. And um, it was this giant drop in, like maxed out drop. And then you had to quick turn and three or four strides to this narrow. And anyways, he dropped in funny and like he went in, but he just landed kind of funny. And I almost fell off and there was just no way I could get to the B element. Uh Um, like it wasn't his fault. He would have 
gone had I been able to like stay upright and turn him. Um, but because of that, I had to circle and then go back to it, which was an unfortunate 20, but like he didn't know anything went wrong. Um, <laughs> but that <laughs> kept us out of, you know, top placing, but yeah. And then he show jumped well, we had one rail down, which was unfortunate. It was at the plank and he just kind of tapped it and it was what it was. But, uh, again, for his first badminton appearance I think he did fantastic we finished you know that's an accomplishment in and of itself so um yeah that was that was exciting and then as far as Burley goes that was also spectacular (laughs) but it just had a different feel um again you have the Burley house that is basically a castle and just gorgeous um And then Thursday night, there was a competitor's party at the house and you got to go in the gardens and like look around, you know, and champagne was served. It was quite um, fancy feeling, I guess. So that was cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then that competition, it just had a more relaxed vibe about it. Um, Uh I don't know why, but it just seemed a little more relaxed, maybe because it was later in the season and you know badminton is the first big one of the season over there and you know people are trying to make teams or whatever where Burley was just a little more relaxed um yeah and same thing tons of crowds um and giant vendor village um and yeah it was just but the course the cross-country course is what I think makes Burley so different. There's a ton of terrain and um, it just doesn't let up. And uh, yeah, so that was the biggest thing for me was that difference in cross country course. Um, So as far as the competition goes, dressage, we put in our personal best five star score. That's awesome. Which is good. Um, And even, even though he was kind of sassy in the canner work again (laughs) but his trot work made up for it so um yeah that was great and then cross country he was phenomenal I was I don't usually get nervous for cross country because I'm on Barry and he's amazing (laughs) but that course I was kind of nervous going out just because it was so massive and it was like nothing I'd ever really ridden before also the leaf pit was terrifying to me. (laughs) Now the what? What'd you call it? It's called the leaf pit. So it's a giant drop and you're basically like jumping off the side of the world because you land on this hill, like very steep hill. Ah, yes. I've seen uh, pictures of that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I have a slow-mo video on my Instagram and uh, it's definitely worth watching, but yeah. So that was terrifying. I mean, again, Barry was great. Uh, but after that part was done, I was like, okay, I don't need to do that again anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is that the one I saw on either on your social media where he, he starts to jump and then he kind of pulls his feet up and then he puts them back. Like, he's like, I don't know what to do here. Yep. Yeah. You can see him like thinking through it. Yep. Yes. That's it. You can, he's like, what? This I is, know. <laughs> this I watched it. I was not like, a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I watched it and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought that he was thinking. I don't know about this, but then he did it. So yeah. He's you, like, I guess, I guess we're going. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. I saw that. Um, that was amazing. Yeah. It was, 
It was interesting. So, but I mean, he did it and he jumped out of the combination great, which was causing problems left and right. Um, so yeah, the course was a challenge all the way around. We actually almost had another 20, like it was into the water, um, the first water. And again, he jumped in fine, but then he like stumbled when he hit the water and we had to turn to this corner, but he like stumbled kind of threw me forward. Luckily I thought quick and I just like pulled out to do the option. Uh-huh. So, you know, I didn't think I presented to the corner in the water. Um, and I did the option. He was great. Uh, but then when we got off course, they had given me a 20 because they thought I had presented. But then when I went to talk to them, they'd already removed it after they watched the replay of the video. So that was really good. Cause oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic. And you know, um, yeah. And the rest of the course is great. And, um, I, when I got through the finish flags and, you know, was going to the vet box where all my support crew was like, I got off and I was like, that was literally the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Like that was <laughs> so challenging. Um, so yeah, that was great. It was a really tough track. A lot of people didn't make it around. Luckily nobody was injured, you know, like Right. Nobody really got right. severely hurt or anything. So it was a good, it was challenging, but um, luckily everyone was okay. And then show jumping, he was fantastic. Um, and we finished in the top 20, which I could not have asked for more for my first Burley appearance. Yeah, that's amazing. Congratulations. I mean, that's truly spectacular. Um, because like I said, I saw that one video <laughs> and I would never do that. Um, so yeah. then you're back in the United States now and you have a new horse. What's he like? Mm -hmm. What's his name? Is he getting his own book? That's a big question. I'm sure Barry, I'm sure Barry, I'm sure Barry would say, no, he's the only one that gets a book, but, um, tell us right. about him. Yeah. Tell us about him. Okay. So my new one, I got him while I was overseas. Um, I had been looking for horses while I was over there and had vetted a couple in England, but the two that I vetted had like things that weren't horrible. But, like I just couldn't live with them, you know, especially uh -huh. for the cost of importing them. So, uh, I had kind of given up on my horse search and then my friend Amelia Winter uh, who has this really nice young horse that I like uh -huh. that young horse's owners had called Amelia and said that they had his full brother and uh, it was in Holland. Did we want to come and see it or did she want it? And then she wasn't, she didn't need another horse at the moment. So she asked me and I was like, yeah, I really like your horse. I'm sure I would like this horse. So we booked a flight to Amsterdam the following weekend and um which is so cool that it's so easy to travel over in Europe yeah it was, <laughs> it was awesome so we get there I try a bunch of horses including the one that we went to go see um and the one that we had originally gone for was nice but I fell in love with the one that I chose oh. uh his name's Newman Hoekshoe which is very Dutch um it's I feel like the announcers may have an issue with that name, but um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I just really liked his temperament. I mean, he's gorgeous and he's got a good brain and he's very green. 
Um, when I tried him, he'd only jump three times, but he oh, was wow. very adjustable considering he'd only jumped two times previously. Like he would wait, he would go, like he has such a beautiful canner. Like it's just one of those that you can see a distance on all day long. Um, oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. And so I really liked him and that's why I decided to go with him. And, uh, when he arrived in the States, I was like, well, I hope I like him as much as I did that one time. <laughs> Cause I literally just saw him that once, you know, rode him for maybe right. 20 minutes. Um, right. so when he showed up in Pennsylvania, I was pleasantly surprised with <laughs> how, how good he is, you know, cause you just don't know. Um, right. but yeah, he was fantastic and he just, he's very observant. He notices what's going on. He takes it all in, but he doesn't like react and spook. Like he just kind of, yeah, he's great to work with. Um, and so hopefully he'll be something special for me, but if not, um, he has a good brain. So he's got a lot of good qualities. So I'm sure I could find him a new home if I needed to, but I'm fingers crossed. He's going to be the next big thing. So Perfect. Well, that's awesome. I'm excited to, um, I'm excited to see some pictures. You have, I'll have to go on social media and look for him. Yeah. He's got a couple little things I need to put some more out, but, um, okay. as far as, as far as the book goes to be determined on that, <laughs> um, on book, but Barry definitely will have a sequel at some point. Well, Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well also before <laughs> we go, tell us about, um, yeah. your own podcast that you have called the whole equestrian. Um, mm-hmm. what, uh, when did you start that and what do you, uh, I guess, what do you talk about in your podcast? Sure. So I started it in 2019, um, on New Year's Eve, basically. So I guess it was New Year's Eve, 2018, but we started it in 2019. So okay. my friend Tyler held who worked for Kevin Keene, who, um, is Philip Dutton's vet and I was working for Philip at the time. So Tyler and I became friends because she was Kevin's vet tech. Um, and anyways, we had kind of discovered that we both had this passion for fitness and wellness in general. Um, and yeah, one new year's Eve, we were just like, we had this goal setting night and, talked about like what we wanted to accomplish in the next year. And we did some cool stuff. Like maybe it might be a little dorky for some people, but like we wrote (laughs) everything down, you know, and like, um, we just had a good time doing it and we felt really inspired. So then, you know, in the next day or two, we went on this hike and just started brainstorming. And we're like, what what should we do with this? Like we want to help people. And we, have noticed throughout our our time with horses that people tend to spend more time taking care of their horses than themselves. Um, Uh, Yes, they do. Yes. And (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's a common occurrence, you know? Um, So we just wanted to talk about topics that could help equestrians, you know, Uh with themselves and their own um, self-development and improvement and all that. So we talk about topics related to uh, mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. And our goal is basically to bridge the gap between riding and wellness. So ah, perfect. That's, 
yeah, that's our little tagline and we have a great time um, doing it. So it's a fun way to spend time with, uh, with my friend and do things that we're passionate about. And, you know, in the meantime, we get to help others as well. So. Oh, that's great. Well, we'll have to take a listen. Well, I want to thank you, Emily, for being on our podcast with us today. Um, I'm excited about Barry. I'm excited about Team Barry. And I'm really excited to read Barry's book and um, hold one in my hands. So, and I'm also excited about Newman. Uh, so I hope that all of that goes well for you. And again, everybody out there listening, Emily's on the cover of the November issue of Sidelines. It's a beautiful picture and some beautiful pictures inside. Uh, and I think you'll just get um, have a gr- get great joy out of reading her story because it's really remarkable. So thank you again, Emily. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on the show. If you enjoy the interviews on this podcast, you'll love a subscription to Sidelines Magazine. Each monthly issue is filled with inspirational and interesting stories of equestrians from all different English disciplines, along with incredible photography, equine artists, young writers, charities, and more. As a special for podcast listeners, you can get an entire year of sidelines delivered right to your mailbox for just $7.48. That's less than lunch, and you'll enjoy some good reads all year long. Go to sidelinesmagazine.com and click subscribe options under subscriptions and enter the code HRN to get your exclusive half off price. Thinking of refurbishing your arena or even starting a design from scratch? Trust the experts at Wordly Martin to help create your ideal riding environment. Wordly Martin recently completed an arena refurbishment at the equine quarantine at Ocean Ventures in Wellington, Florida, the country's leading CEM quarantine facility. The new arena was immediately put to the test during Hurricane Ian. Despite 12 inches of rain within two days, the ring had no standing water. The Ocean Ventures team couldn't be more satisfied with the new Wordley Martin Arena. The facility's co-founder and manager, Richard Favor, noted that Wordley Martin was the name everyone recommended for the arena makeover, and his clients continue to give the improvements high marks. With 35 horses training and jumping on the arena daily, it holds up with minimal maintenance. Plus, the drainage is second to none. For more information about building your own Wordly Martin Arena, visit wordlymartin.com. Jan, I love learning about Barry and all his fun quirks and how much Emily adapted to him rather than trying to change him. I know that some horses have some really big personalities. Uh, Regardless of their actual physical size, I have had a miniature horse that had just the biggest personality I know our next guest has, and I think you have too, right? Yes, I've had a miniature horse, but I did have one horse in my lesson program. Uh, When I had my farm in Wellington, I bought this horse named Carmen. Uh, We always, uh, anyway, her name was Carmen. uh, And she, I I think I paid like a thousand dollars for her. And she was an Appaloosa, but very gray, mostly gray, but with some little white spots on her rump. And she was the coolest horse because she, all she did was teach lessons. Um, But she, her, her biggest quirk was that when you dismounted, she would whinny at you. Like she'd just go, <laughs> every time you okay. dismounted, kind of like, hey, you did it. You're, you're okay. Um, yeah, she was cool. And she was so understood the process of teaching lessons or doing a lesson that when she would go in the ring, if I stood on the side and I was like, okay, everybody walk, everybody trot, or you can't, everybody reverse, she would do it before the kid could do it. Like she knew exactly what she was doing. Wow. Uh, yeah, and she, she was a cool horse. Um, She 
never went to any horse shows, but we did have um, a huge clinician come and um, do a big clinic at my farm one day. And he told me, he was like, that horse moves better than all your other horses. Wow. And I was like, well, she, she also winnies to you when you get off. So, Hey, she's got the whole package there. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. That is so fun. And you had a mini too, right? Right. I had two different minis. Um, Twix was our main one that pulled the little cart, uh, our little cart. Um, and he, he was okay. He was kind of your typical, almost a, more like a Shetland pony, even though he's a mini because mm. he would be super sweet. And then he would just turn around and bite you. <gasps> oh, oh yeah. He was a little rascal. What about yours? <laughs> what did, did your mini, was he nice oh, or mean? He, you know, he was kind of like Barry in as much as he was very selective. So he was really sweet with me. I found out later that after he went on from me, he wouldn't come to anybody in the oh, yeah. except for except for he had he did eventually get one little girl that could catch him. But uh-huh. yeah, so when he did not want to be caught, he was he was uh he was kind of crazy, but he was he was really fun. He loved specifically green popsicles. Oh how and funny the house that we had him, his pen, we built right next to our house, like between our house and our garage. And there was a window that went into like a half basement. Uh-huh. So we would, we could open the window and he'd come stick his head in. And, yeah. And that was a lot of fun. And one time, um, his, his shed was just a little rubber made, like, you know, something we picked up and, and he lived in that. And one time during, a microburst we had massive windstorms and it picked that shed up and pushed it through the fence like flattened the fence and out oh into the yard yeah and i was terrified imagining my little miniature horse getting carried you know it's probably not how it happened but i liked you know i imagined that it, he got carried in this and wait you like, didn't bring him in the house during this no it was so sudden it was oh, okay. nuts like it okay. was nuts and like nothing like that had ever happened. Like we live in this, we lived in this little community up on the hillside. Um, it was not a horse country. Like we had half an acre. That's a whole nother story about how I had to at 13 years old, write to the city government to convince <laughs> them that a miniature horse is not actually livestock. He was a pet. And um, I, yeah, I, I did win that battle by the way, if good for you. Interested. Yes. But uh, so he, we, you know, put, our coats on. We ran outside and I was terrified and he was so happy. He was just happy munching the really long front grass, you know? Oh, he, he was, was not like, in the shed. Oh no. He was, he was, he was just happy that the fence got knocked down and he got oh. to go eat Out. all the grass. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was so funny. And then in the winter he had this long, beautiful tail and I don't know if I should have cut it or what, like we really didn't know what we were doing, but I would have to go hack snowballs off of it because he'd come <laughs> walking around with a three foot snowball behind him. Like oh, how just funny. this massive thing that would gather on the end of his tail and poor guy just dragging that around and uh, yeah, have to go, go hack that. That's box. funny. But, now I, I have a Labradoodle gypsy uh, and she, in the winter time, when she goes out in the snow, giant snowballs collect all over her legs. And I have to do this. I don't cut them off. I had, I just take warm water and oh, dissolve yeah. them before she can come in. But she looks like she's wearing some kind of crazy, um, boots with <laughs> white balls all over it. It's bizarre. And I did think about when you were talking about quirky horses like Barry, I did think of one other horse we had. Uh, my daughter, Abby had a show jumper named Don Juan. 
And he was a freak about his water bucket in his stall. If his water bucket had like one drop of dirt in it, he would not drink. He would turn his head up and then you'd take out. All you had to do is scoop it out. And then he'd look at you and they'd be like, oh, finally. And he would drink the bucket of water. (laughs) Wow. Weird. Oh man. They have, they have their quirks. Ace would, when my, whenever my dad was working in the yard, um, you know, he'd have his work gloves in his back pocket and Ace thought Uh. it was so funny to sneak up behind Ah. him and take the gloves and run. (laughs) like it was it was just a just a thing he was he was a lot of fun to have around so and i know that our next guest also had a very uh, interesting mini i'm excited to get to talk to her about that yes me too Rachel Lindsay is the head trainer and owner of Madrone Ranch Stables in Austin, Texas. She fulfilled her lifelong dream of owning a farm when she purchased Madrone in 2012 after working her way up from trainer and manager. She is passionate about competing herself, but also helping her students achieve their goals. Rachel, I love your story so much, especially the part where you and your dad wrote the original business plan for Madrone on a Starbucks napkin. So tell us about Madrone and then and that little meeting, first of all. Hi. Uh, so yes, we, we had this whole initial plan of, you know, how I was going to buy the barn and, you know, putting, putting the thoughts together literally on a napkin at a Starbucks meeting. Um, <laughs> I love that. We, so we, I was in town and, um, or I'm sorry, he, I'm sorry, he was in town and, uh, we just met there to grab a cup of coffee and I was explaining to him that I, you know, I loved where I worked and, um, you know, that I knew I kind of wanted to put roots down in Austin and that be where I was long-term and, um, was talking about maybe opening my own barn someday and all, you know, just kind of what my dreams were with that. And he was like, well, why don't you just buy the one that you're at? You, you know, buy, see if you can buy Madrone. And we kind of crunched numbers and figure things out there at that meeting. And that's initially what inspired me to, um, to offer to buy the barn from the previous owner. Yeah. And I love the story about how that happened. So everyone, you need to go get the November issue and read her story about how you actually convinced that owner to sell you the farm. But now <laughs> tell us, is owning a farm harder than you thought better? What, what's your thoughts now? Uh, short answer. Yes, <laughs> it is harder <laughs> and it, and it is better. Um, okay. It, you know, I guess the part about it being better is that it, it, it's mine and it's my program and I get to, you know, I'm not working for somebody else. Everything is, you know, done the way that I want it to be done and the way that I feel like it's best for the horses and best for the clients. And, you know, so that part of it is all wonderful. Um, but it's also, it's a lot harder and that, you know, in addition to managing horses and managing clients and being on the road at horse shows and, trying to run an upper level show barn. Also, you have a, you have a physical barn that's at home that you're not at most of the time because you're on the road at horse shows. So it's, right. you know, it kind of doubles the the workload of you've got to just make sure that you're upkeeping your facility and putting love into that while also hardly ever being there. <laughs> so right. that was an extra challenge for sure. Right. Well, I'm still glad that you have it because I think it's an uh, awesome thing for you. Now, tell us about before you bought the farm, you had read a book and it talked about praying for specific things by doing something specific. So every day you rode around your farm and prayed that you'd be able to buy it. So tell us about that and like how long did you have to do that for? 
Okay, the timeline to that, I, I want to say from when I first got this idea in my head and kind of, you know, to getting convincing the previous owner to sell the place, I want to say it was almost a year or a little bit under a year. Wow. And yes, I, I had read a book that talked about, you know, praying big for things and being intentional about going to God with um, big requests and things that you could never dream of doing on your own. And in the book, the the guy talked about prayer circles and, you know, making circles around both, you know, through like he drew a circle in the sand and sat in the circle in the sand saying, you know, he needed rain to come and wasn't leaving the circle till the rain came. And so my own version of it, something that I, you know, was doing is that I just rode a horse around the property every day and just kind of made my own circle that way. And, um, the, the dream of being able to own a barn, much less that barn was really big and also something that I could never do on my own. And I needed divine interventions for that. And that was kind of my way of making my own prayer circle. Ah, oh, I love that. That's really cool. Now, do you stay in touch with Mary Parker? She was the former owner. You know, we don't talk as much anymore. She moved, um, and bought her own dream property and is retired there with her own animals. And, um, we don't, we don't talk very often anymore, to be honest. Okay. But she's doing well. Yes. She's doing well living her dream. <laughs> That's good. And you both are living <laughs> your dream. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. And I know from your story that one of your other dreams was to have a miniature horse and there are amazing pictures of you in the article with the Madrone mascot, Noel, the miniature horse. So She's a rescue, right? She is a rescue. Yes. Um, and I have always wanted a miniature horse and growing up, whenever I would ask for a miniature horse, my family was always like, you don't really need a miniature horse. You have a hunter. <laughs> what are you going to do with a miniature horse and where are we going to put it? Cause I did not live on a horse farm as a kid. I boarded my horse at a stable and, um, you know, they were like, that's great that you love them, but where are we going to put that? And so right. as an adult, I was like, you know, I have a farm and I have room and I would love to have a miniature horse. So, um, found her, uh, at one of those, the auctions or the, uh, they call them a kill pen, whatever. Like I found her at one of those and, um, I adopted her from that. And it was most, you know, I didn't know that she was going to become, our mascot or be, you know, travel around the country with us to every single horse show or that it would be what it's become. But it was the best decision I ever made, both for like me personally as a pet and also as like a marketing tool for the barn. Like I go, <laughs> I go to places and I'll be leading her around at a horse show. People that I've never met come up to me like, Oh, that's Noel. And like, <laughs> and, wow. and so it's, it's been kind of, it's been a fun adventure for sure. That's fun. And I understand she has quite the personality too. She has a huge personality. Um, she was really shy when we got her and I just encourage, we put her front and center. Like she's in the very front stall of the barn. The first thing you see when you come in and I just encouraged all the kids, like just go in and love her and spend time with her and feed her treats. And she very quickly learned that people were not so bad. And, mm. um, and now is like the, so friendly and very vocal and anybody that walks in the barn, she whinnies at you because the peppermint. <laughs> are right next to the entrance. So if you want to bring her one <laughs> to be able to enter the barn. Um, but her personality is huge and she's very scheduled like every single day. 
the horses go and turn out at the same time every single day, then her time is 11 o'clock and you can start, you can hear her from about 1045. Uh, <laughs> she starts screaming, like just screaming. She'll take her halter wow. and throw it at you in the barn aisle. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is her time to go in the field and she wants to be taken out. So it's really funny. Wow. I love that. And the FedEx guy signs her name, huh? Instead of yours. Yes. <laughs> yes. We think that's so funny. Um, but yes, he will often leave packages and, uh, you know, sometimes we'll just sign names for you for whoever, but he'll definitely sign her name and I'll get emails <laughs> with where she has signed for my packages. So <laughs> it's appreciated. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that. Are you going to get any more minis? I don't know. I see. I, I, I probably not to be honest. She's such a big personality and I just don't know if I don't know if there's really room for two. It's kind of like it's her thing, yeah. you know, and and I who knows, never say never, but at the moment I don't have any plans to get another mini. Yeah, it sounds like she's got a big enough personality. I always thought that about minis. It's like they they have a bigger personality sometimes than full-size horses only in a small For body. Sure. It just comes out very very concentrated. <laughs> For sure. I would agree 100%. <laughs> I love that. Well, speaking of the bigger horses, I understand you have a new Grand Prix jumper. Fill us in on that. Well, he's so he's not exactly that new. Um, I've had him for a few years now, but we just started kind of making our debut into showing FBI and um, doing some of the two and three star classes last year. And then um, I even got to my kind of the highlight of that for me was that I got to show. Um, at the end of last year and a four star with him. Um, it was a world cup qualifier. So that was really cool and really surreal that I finally had a horse to be able to compete at that level. And, um, you know, cause you've all, you go your whole life dreaming that like someday you're going to be able to go and compete at the top level of the sport. And, um, even just to kind of barely get into it, it's, it's been exciting. So, um, I imported him as a seven year old a few years ago. So he's now at the point where we're getting to getting to do some fun stuff. Wow. That's, awesome. that's so exciting. Yeah. I love how much you're thriving, you know, professionally and what you're doing away from home and at the barn with, with Noel and everybody, including, let's see, you have a dog as well, right? Your own dog and pony shows. What <laughs> yeah, was talked yeah. about in the article. <laughs> Tell us about your dog. So that is McGraw. Um, he's also a rescue. Uh, funny enough, I actually adopted him the same week that I bought the barn and oh, wow. everybody in my family was like, you don't need a puppy right now. You have so much <laughs> going on. And I was like, well, I'm, I'll figure it out. I'll make it work. So like pretty much as long as I've had Madrone, I've also had the dog McGraw. And, um, so he's always been a part of it and I can't imagine Madrone without him at this point. Um, he also travels around, goes to all the horse shows. Everybody knows him as the dog that sits on the golf cart literally all day long. Like <laughs> I go out of my camper in the morning at, you know, 6am or whatever. And he's already on the golf cart and does not get <laughs> off until 7pm. Like he, I have to make him get off to go to the bathroom. Um, That's funny. So, <laughs> he's, he's the best dog, best horse show dog, best barn dog. He is also obsessed with Noel, the pony. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's because like I drive her in a cart and he runs along next to it. So he feels Aww. like that's the only horse he's allowed to chase. So <laughs> it's fun to him, you know, but he, there's something about her that I've never, it's, I can't even explain it. He, 
he is obsessed. Like he, he loves her. If he sees anybody leading her around, he's going to go follow her as well. Like wherever she is, is where he wants to be. It's funny. Wow. That's awesome. How did you choose the name McGraw? So I actually, um, I had another dog. It was a miniature dachshund. Um, and her name was Faith. And she uh, lived. Oh. <laughs> so if you know country music at all, <laughs> yep. and then, so when I got Tim, a friend of mine suggested that I should call him Tim and then I would have Tim and Faith. And I was like, well, Tim maybe isn't the greatest dog name, but McGraw would be kind of cool. So that's where that came from. I love, oh, I love that. I love Tim yeah. and Faith. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that, that's that story. That's so awesome. And I know that your program has changed quite a bit at Madrone from the time that you got it till now. Can you tell us about that evolution? I understand you have a lot of women now that ride with you. I do. Um, and that's actually been a really cool evolution that w- mm-hmm. I didn't actually plan. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I first got the barn, we were a pretty heavy junior barn. Um, that's, you know, like that's, we had all ages riding, but it was, there were a lot of junior hunter riders and I love bringing kids along in the hunter world and, you know, having them go and show at the top level and the, and the junior hunters, and then they, but then they all graduate and then they go, they go away to college. And so, um, what we, as kids would graduate and we would have empty stalls, it just started slowly filling up with adult riders that were around my age. And now I want to say I, I have about 14 or 15, uh, adult riders between the ages of 25 and 40 that we've just become this really cool community of women that all share this passion of riding horses and loving horses. And it's, it's just been really a a cool transformation. Um, most of them are jumpers. Uh, some of them do the hunters as well. Um, but it's been, it's been a really cool thing to see. And we've all, we all are friends outside of the barn and, you know, do things socially. And it's been, it's been really fun. Yeah. What, one thing I liked in your story was that the boyfriends and the husbands do stuff together when you guys like go to shows. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the guys will like make plans like, well, we're not going to that show because we're all hanging out back here doing whatever they're doing, or they'll yeah. all go and tag along and do stuff. It's been, it's, that was really funny too, that they've, they've all become really close. So yeah, I think that was really cool. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Well, I have loved getting to know you and the amazing life that you live there. And thank you so much for sharing yourself and Madrone with uh, us on the podcast and with Sidelines. Of course. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and for interviewing me and taking interest in my in my story. That's about it for today. Sidelines can be found at sidelinesmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the Sidelines Scoop and get every new issue in your email free. Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Thanks to our sponsors, Big, Bold, and Brave by Deanna Hamill, Wordley Martin, and the Omaha World Cup. We'll see you on the sidelines. <laughs>